Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Marching On Together podcast. This is episode 10, and I'm delighted to be joined by Connor from the One Leeds Fan Channel. How are you doing, buddy? All right, mate. Better to be speaking to you. It's my, it's, I'm, I'm going to be getting the hat trick ball soon, aren't I? Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to get it signed by uh, Leeds Squad, send it over to your house, <laughs> get it all sorted. <laughs> yeah, I'm all but good, you, mate. You, you all right? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I hear, hear there's a bit of uh, congratulations in order for you. You've got a new role at Yorkshire Live. You're now their Yorkshire football audience producer, which is a bit of a mouthful, but good job. You've done it. It sounds really nice when, when it flows from... You've just got a really nice accent, Liam, so it sounds a lot nicer <laughs> when you say it. But yeah, mate, I'm um, delighted to be on board. I should really be holding like a, a Yorkshire Live shirt. I don't know if we've got a football shirt from, from maybe a charity <laughs> event at some point and me signing for them. That'd be great with that pen emoji, you know, just just getting my my sort of face on that transfer deadline day stuff. <laughs> to make sure you actually have a proper pen, not a pocket <laughs> and fake pen upside down. That would be a bit awkward. <laughs> that's it mate yeah but you just need a, a, an actual pen that works <laughs> but yeah congrats on that i imagine you're gonna be a very busy man with all your content producing now that's it isn't it i give myself i, I don't have to give myself a lot to do liam and i just need to, uh, i need to take a few holidays a month don't i think <laughs> whereas for our benefits we get to watch it so that's good. <laughs> oh, you're too kind <laughs> um so yeah plan for today's podcast i'm gonna go through a little bit of leeds news talk about the villa game uh, and how good it was and then do a little preview for the leicester game um, but I just wanted to start off with a bit of pay-per-view football news. Unfortunately, our game against Palace has been selected um, a week Saturday. Uh, still the same price currently. I know there's some some murmurings that they want to either reduce the price or scrap it after a lot of people have, have not been paying that amount of money to watch the games. But I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on pay-per-view football in general. Uh, and as a Leeds fan, what are your thoughts on having to pay that amount of money to, to watch our games? Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, in general, the concept's been around for years, hasn't it? I mean, we've all we've all understood that pay per view sort of exclusive content, and you know that is that's been the mantra of, of of I guess a lot of companies and 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 been able to get as I've said exclusive rights uh, to to certain games. And I get it, of course, I get it. But I think where we are right now in this current you know pandemic and charging fans fifteen pounds a month uh, for well, a game. I wish it was a month. Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's outrageous at the minute, mate. And you know, with everything that's going on in the world, I think you know someone like even Marcus Rashford, who's pioneering for change with with kids and and sort of sort of going against government, really. Yeah, I, I think that is that's a, a, a beautiful cause, and, and and I love the fact that you've you've had Leeds fans boycotting, you've had Newcastle fans, Aston Villa fans, all boycotting together, coming together for the common cause of, of putting that money to, towards charity, you know, putting it towards a good cause. And at this moment in time, it, I mean, if it gets reduced, that, that's, that's, that's okay. But it's more of the principle of the thing as well. It's the fact that it shouldn't be there entirely. It's, it's not for me. It's not about just, it's not about just reducing it, but yeah. I, I mean, what are your thoughts on it, mate? Well, initial thought, I was speaking to my friend Matt on a previous podcast and we both initially said that, it's clearly too much money to start with. And maybe if it was three, four, five pounds, you'd get more people joining in kind of what they do in the championship. But I agree as time's gone on, it's, it's proven just to be another moneymaker for them, isn't it? I think. And if they reduce it to nine ninety nine, which is the rumor, I still think that's too much to be paying when you're, when people are paying for Sky, BT, Amazon prime. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm just not a fan of it. I just don't think fans deserve it. And a lot of season ticket holders haven't got their money back yet. I think there's 16 clubs in the Premier League that haven't paid any money back for any season tickets yet. Um, and then you're charging fans again to watch the same game, which I just think is a bit of a joke. But 
Uh, I'm glad that Leeds fans and Newcastle, and I think West Brom fans have done it as well. They've boycotted, haven't they, and kind of given the money to the food banks, like you said, which is, which is a nice cause. Yeah, especially right now with you know this this horrendous time we're in. I think there's more important causes, to be quite frank. And you know, <laughs> it's 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 just it's it's something that we don't need right now. And I think you know there needs to be a lot more positivity in the world. But obviously, you know, you get the the, the Chiefs and, and the heads of football who see it one way, and and, and unfortunately, it's, it's based on monetary value and. Hopefully, you know, if they are reducing it, it's going to be more affordable. But to be honest, mate, I think the whole principle of the thing needs to be thrown away. Yeah, I can't see many more people taking up the offer if it's nine ninety nine. I think they're going to struggle for for audiences like apparently they've done so far. They won't release the numbers, but allegedly that they're, they're very low, uh, and that doesn't surprise me. Um, and then in terms of some teams, I think Villa and West Brom fans and uh, maybe Newcastle as well. It's nearly sixty quid they've had to pay in two weeks to watch their teams. Uh, with the amount of games that they're selected for. And I just think there's there's no kind of thought process behind what they're doing. They're just kind of chucking money at things that don't need it. But uh, unfortunately, me and you can't change that. So <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully see one day. The... Yeah, hopefully one day, yeah. Uh, and in terms of uh, pay-per-view football, obviously Aston Villa was our first game mm-hmm. um, for the, the mighty BT Sports with Peter Crouch talking waffle. <laughs> uh, obviously a 3-0 away win for us. 60% possession, 27 shots. XG win of like nearly three to 1.45, which is a stat that I love. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts going into the game? Were you, were you quietly confident? And obviously afterwards now, absolutely buzzing, I assume. Yeah, over the moon, mate. Uh, no, was I quietly confident? I wasn't. Um, <laughs> just just on the basis that I, I've been overtly positive and 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 all this this year. And I, I was just one of those. And I think this is the game, to be honest, Liam, where, where I, I have just sort of switched a little bit more and just just you've got to believe in Bielsa and, and I, of course I have so much faith in the guy but you know so many key injuries going up against the team the 100 percenters as they were calling themselves and you know going into a game like that when when Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish and John McGinn are forming such a formidable partnership well a trio and you're thinking to yourself it's going to be a really tough game this for Leeds uh, you know Pascal's been sort of thrown into it uh, and I, I really was fearing for Leeds uh, in this game. And, and, you know, I was the one who turned around and I thought we'd beat Wolves 3-1 um, and how wrong I was about that. But this game, I was, I, I just thought they were they were really going to hurt us going forward. But, you know, if anything, it completely stylistically played into our hands. And I think we saw that progress through the game. And I think throughout this sort of period, you're sort of learning that teams, once again, like we know from the championship, who sit in against Leeds, Leeds are naturally going to struggle against, but teams who go blow for blow against us, they're really in a lot of trouble, really, if you go blow for blow with Leeds. And I think that's sort of what we saw once again against a team like Aston Villa. Yeah, I think the difference between the the Wolves and Villa games are quite obvious, weren't they, in terms of the level, uh, the mid-block that Villa play, where they're much higher up the pitch and they're trying to get players forward, whereas Wolves... At times in the game, they just sit 10 men behind the ball, don't they? And kind of have Jimenez as that outlet. Um, and I just think, yeah, like you're right, that Villa kind of played into our hands. Um, but in terms of individual performances then, um, Mr Bamford, hat-trick hero, uh, which was your favourite goal, the second or the third? No, oh, second. I mean, I just didn't expect it. It was just, and, and I think it was a, a tiny deflection, but I hate saying that because it was just a phenomenal finish. And we're talking about a goalkeeper here who, you know, has conceded, what, two goals so far this season, has been yeah. one of the signings of the summer in Emmy Martinez. He's been brilliant for them. He's had three clean sheets, saved a penalty, looks extremely good. And, 
he was made to look completely average by Patrick Bamford in terms of just his finishing and, and the keeper really getting nowhere near to any of the three. I know he palmed the first one out, but he didn't get close to the, you know, the rebound put in by Bamford. Um, but the second one was just, you know, received it on the edge of the area and just sort of Cristiano Ronaldo knuckleballed it in the top corner and just the pace he had on the strike. And I mean, it, t- it touched the bar as well, which is a, a little extra special feature. Um, but the the third one was beautiful. But I think with the third one, that was really poor defending with regards to Tyrone Mings. He sort of shaped, he showed him on his wrong side and he was just like, go on, Patrick, if you can hit that postage stamp, try it, mate. But with the, with the second one, mate, I mean, they just couldn't do anything about it. It was just sheer class from Bamford. Yeah, Tyrone Mings kind of struggled all second half with him as well, which was nice to see after he was kind of picking Bamford up by the scruff of his neck after that allegedly dive that uh, Tyron Ming said it was. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, they, they completely forget about the, the the worst dive in the first half with regards to Jack Grealish just waiting for Helder Costa to touch him in the box and then mouthing off at the referee. Yeah, I find that mind-boggling, really, that they have a player that, even though he's one of the, the, the better English players, and I've kind of come around to, to him as an actual footballer, but they play with someone that's on the floor so much and that kind of throws himself around to win so many free kicks. Then when someone kind of gets a bit of contact and does go down in the box, they're there kind of calling for dives, which I just find mind-boggling, really, with, with, with playing with Grealish. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably important to note that he does get fouled more than any other player in the Premier League, but Jack Grealish is so intelligent with how he does it. You know, it's, it's the sort of the waiting for the contact and it is any contact and he will he will hit the deck and he does it's advantageous because his his team gets into very good positions in terms of set pieces which they're strong at and he you could just tell he was waiting for Costa now at, at one point I did think there might have been a touch of knees where I was terrified because now VAR it's just any contact and it's a penalty isn't it so yeah. um so yeah it was it was a little bit of hearts in mouth uh, scenario but we got away with it what were you thinking at halftime after uh, Bamford obviously missed those two chances? One one wasn't really a proper chance with where he had it from, but that second one at the front post, I saw a lot of people online already kind of saying, oh, we need Pablo on and put Rodrigo up front and then Bamford kind of shut everyone up again as he always does in the second <laughs> half. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't calling for him to be dragged off. I mean, the, the important thing with games like that is, you know, if you're creating chances, then I know it sounds daft, but more, more are going to come. And it got to that point where obviously he'd, he'd had those two chances. Um, the one where sort of Harrison, you know, got on the on the left hand side and whipped that ball in. It was, a, it was actually a really tough finish. But I don't understand sort of why he didn't go with his left foot and sweep it in, maybe potentially the bottom corner or something. He went with his right. Um, but at that point, what the, the 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 good thing about it was, he was getting ahead of Tyrone Mings a lot, and you could tell he was sort of he had a yard on him every single time, and I knew that chances were going to come in the second half. And so far this season, I've not been disappointed with Patrick Patrick at all, even if he's missed the odd chance, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, just gameplay wise, it was just really interesting how Dean Smith set up. Yeah, he plays that kind of three in midfield, like you said before, uh, and that kind of really helped us, I think, because they were playing so high that we kind of get in behind and got that defence more often. Yeah, and it was I think the big thing with it, what I noticed as well throughout the game, was the fact that it was almost a lack of respect for Leeds in terms of you know how to stifle Leeds. You put 10 men behind the ball. And, you know, you hit us on the counter-attack, which is essentially what Wolves did. Press high in the second half, take your chances, let's see if you can get a goal. But they didn't do that. Villa, 
you know, with respect to them, you know, they came they, they came out straight from the off, really. And, and, and I think with Leeds United, with our patterns of play, our overloads, our dynamism on the wings, you've got to respect us a little bit. And I don't think they did that. And I think there was a clear example with that with regards to how out of sorts Trezeguet was, how out of sorts Grealish was in terms of defensive play. I thought they weren't helping Matty Cash and, and target out as, as fullbacks at all. And they were sort of enabling Leeds to just double up on the wings every single time, which was obviously um, enabling and enhancing the overloads, which is where Leeds, you know, I mean, that's, 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 what, that's how we play. And if you nullify that, then if you nullify that, Leeds going to struggle, which is what Wolves did. And you just didn't see that from Villa at all. And, and yeah, it was, it was a real neglection on the part of Dean Smith and his tactics for me. Yeah, any kind of tactical analysis you see of Leeds or old Bielsa teams, there's so much going on about the, the overload on the right and left-hand side and the use of full-backs and, and strikers coming over to double up on left and right. So I, I agree with you. I was completely shocked that he was almost letting his wingers almost stay up front as like a front three. Um, I think Trezeguet was struggling to trap, trap back at all in that second half. And every time he got the ball, it was just attack down the left or switch the play from one side to the other. Uh, and I just think the fact they were top of the league probably and that they were unbeaten, obviously, including the cup games as well. So I just think that kind of led into their, their confidence and they just thought that, oh, we'll go out and we'll beat these. But uh, thankfully for us, that wasn't the case. Um, a couple of other performances I wanted to ask you about was uh, Mr. Jamie Shackleton uh, and Rodrigo as well. Kind of Rodrigo plays higher now, I know, but in that midfield sort of three role, uh, I thought they were very good against one of the better Premier League midfield trios. Yeah, and and that's that's not to be understated as well. Villa on the day when they have you know the likes of John McGinn, Barkley, um, you know Douglas Louise in there is sort of a midfield three. It's it's one of the best in the division, and it really is in terms of quality. John McGinn on his day is superb. Ross Barkley, we know how good he is, and Douglas Louise is a pivot. Is he's been very good. He was very good in his first season as well. That transition from the from 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 into the Premier League, it, it's a very hard transition to get, and, and he did that very well. He was one of their outstanding performers last season um, alongside Jack Grealish but I think they they were uh, Shackleton when he came on obviously strike had to be taken off and I think that was the right decision he was he was a walking red card he was he was in trouble for me I think Grealish was going to start running in and and driving towards him and targeting him and, and I don't think you want a one-on-one battle with Jack Grealish I think unfortunately you're going to lose that battle. And, and I think, you know, strike, they were running at him quite a lot. You saw it with Barkley in the initial stages. Then you saw it with Grealish and then you saw it with Douglas Louise and you were thinking, oh, goodness. But um, obviously Shackleton came on, sort of click, went a little bit deeper and just the combative nature of Shackleton. I mean, I don't know if I'm that sold on his creativity, but I don't know if he's that sort of player. He's more of an industrious eight, and I really like him. He sort of transitions into a six as well, and his energy is just its palpable, and he's, he's, he's everything that this Leeds team uh, signifies in terms of fitness. He's just end-to-end, never stops, and, and I think he almost just wore them out. He wore them out yeah. in the midfield. He never stopped, and... You could see at the end, mate. They were just they were they were worn out. They they were completely flags in the air. Sixty fifth, seventieth minute. It was it was draining, and and it was all it was all sort of amplified at the end when you know we saw seven Leeds players coming forward, and there was four of them at the back in like the ninety fifth minute. And I genuinely think this game was won and lost with fitness, and maybe that's unfair on Leeds because we were we were absolutely outstanding. But they just couldn't live with us in terms of getting up and down the pitch. And I think that midfield was absent, Liam. I thought McGinn, I, I, I barely, I think he had a shot in the first half. 
but he was completely derived of, of any of the football and any of the play, obviously. Barkley, I mean, to say he's been one of the outstanding performers in the Premier League, he was a ghost. Yeah, he was, he was he, really poor, I thought. He, he was, mate. And he was just kept giving the ball away, couldn't keep up, didn't look like he was tracking back enough. And it, I don't know whether or not they they expected to beat us. I know Grealish was giving Phillips a little bit of banter, apparently, in the England squad and saying he's going to run riot against Leeds. And maybe there is that sort of nature that, you know, where the Championship Club, where com- you know, we're coming up um, against Aston Villa, who, you know, the top of the league, we should be beating anyone. And they sort of took us a bit lightly. And I think and I think they paid for that heavily. And to be honest, Liam, it should have been, it should have been five or six nil. Yeah, I think that second half was one of the better halves of football we've seen under Marcelo as well, which people kind of forget. We're used to seeing, especially in the Premier League now, we're used to seeing us attack so much that it kind of comes off as normal for Leeds fans. When you sit back and watch it, and, and when I re-watch the game, uh, to write about it, I kind of realise when you look at the second half, that's a top, top performance. You won't see Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City get many better second half performances than we did. The amount of running they did in the second half and, and the data and stuff was, was crazy. Uh, and I think I think you're right about Shackleton. I, I see him more as a, he's not quite like a foreshore, but he's more of an energetic foreshore in terms of he gets into the right places, he breaks play up, but he's not quite as creative as like a click or a Rodrigo. But yeah. I think against a team like that, whose midfield three are very good, but they're not the most mobile. Uh, I think it really suited him well. And I think click kind of dropping deeper to, to help build the play up was, was an exciting element. And a week before, Shackleton wasn't even on the bench. That's how good our squad's kind of proven to be now. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? And, and obviously, I didn't touch on Rodrigo there. Um, he is He gets better and better and better every time I see him. He's every bit of that 30 million. It's going to be interesting to see if anything does happen to Patrick Bamford, what his how his role changes but at this moment in time I, I wouldn't want to move him from where he's playing now in that sort of 10 role I think his creativity is he's just football in IQ is off the scale just the passes he sees he made a couple of absolutely outstanding passes that carved open Villa and his, his fitness as well you know his fitness is is now at that level and you can see he just keeps running and running and running and he just fits in with the squad, the cohesiveness between him and, you know, daft things like I saw him and Click having a little bit of a laugh together in the game. And they're just all so relaxed with each other. And and the team bond is really, it's, it's, it's team team bonding is is such a, an important um, sort of, you know, mantra of a team. Having a, having a strong team bond is so, so high and people don't see it as high. It's just everything that happens on the pitch. But I think... Rodrigo is just, he's everything that that sort of um, encompasses our transfer window, which has just been professionalism and just raw class. Well, I think the team ethic and work rate and how they get on is kind of a, a factor that a lot of pundits don't really realise with Leeds. Mm. Um, any Leeds fan who watches anything they put out over the last two years since Marcelo's been there and people like Liam Cooper talking about the squad, they kind of always mention, don't they, that it's a good group of lads and that anyone they sign kind of is always welcomed in, but it needs to be the, the right personality. And you can see Rodrigo fits it. I think his work rate is improving every game. Um, and now we've got him and Bamford closer together. I was noticing in the second half that any uh, Aston Villa attack, you had two outlets straight away and their first touch for, for two centre-forwards is phenomenal, which helps. Yeah, I think I think sometimes, once again, it was, it was a bit weird. It was like we'd just gone to a two-up top and we see that with Marcelo a lot it's the in-game management it's the in-game strategic changes and, and you know 
I think before a game, Bielsa starts the, the standardised 4-1-4-1 or maybe you know the 3-3-1-3 on rare occasions when the opposition have two up front. But I think his in-game management is absolutely superb and I think it changes a lot. And when you see Rodrigo sort of off the shoulder of Bamford, you sort of see that he's maybe not playing a, a, as, as a 10, really. Maybe in, in yeah. some parts of the game, he's sort of playing as a shadow striker. Yeah, he's playing much higher, very different to when someone like Pablo kind of plays in the same role, I think. Marcelo is very good at changing how he gets the roles to actually play when they're in the team. And, if, and now when we press as well, Rodrigo and Bamford take it in turns to drop back in and press, which is good because mm. it means you haven't got one striker just chasing two centre-halves all the time. Uh, and I think his pace in the pressing kind of helps as well because that's where Pablo lacks. When we press with him, he kind of can play around him a bit more just because of obviously his age and stuff. Whereas Rodrigo, when him and Bamford are playing together, mm. Villa, Villa centre-halves just couldn't get the ball out. Conser's not necessarily the best with his ball at his feet, but everyone kind of thinks Tyrone Mings is a good ball playing centre half. But the way we were pressing him in that second half, they just didn't get a chance to get out. No, and it was it was a bit of a listen. Aston Villa have done extremely well, extremely well, and 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 they look very good. And I think they'll be, I think they'll be absolutely fine this season. I think they'll, you know, there is potential there for a top ten finish. Of course, I mean, I know that a lot of the fans are talking about a, a maybe Europa League finish, which uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one, but. There's a lot to be positive about, but you know they have played severely weakened teams so far. You look at the Liverpool team they faced, obviously without four of their the key players, um, and, and and Leicester obviously without Vardy, Madison, and Siunchu. So they've played a lot of teams like that, and I think what you know when they came up against Leeds, they sort of had Lady Luck strike again in terms of you know Calvin Phillips out, our our captain and Liam Cooper out. But mm. the difference the difference is. Leads are so different to every other team because every single player is drilled in that position. You know, we're so versatile that anyone can fit in that position. And I think Villa maybe underestimated that and just thought that, you know, because they're weakened, because they're not as they are, because we're top of the league, we'll run over them. And, and it was just completely the opposite way around. Yeah, we'll talk about those injuries a little bit. Um, obviously, it meant we kind of played a, another centre half pairing. Uh, Robin Cox played with three different centre-halves now, I think, in, in six games. Yeah. Uh, Luke Aylin playing left centre-back. Uh, he was one of the standouts for me, especially playing in a slightly different role on the left-hand side. What what did you think of the whole back four, but mainly the, how the two centre-halves played in that game? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not more, more you can say about Robin. Um, I mean, I thought there was one time where he, he sort of passed the ball out to Ross Barkley, which nearly created a chance. I'm sure that that had shown up on XG. Um, but Aside from that, mate, he was heading everything. What I've noticed as well with Leeds is just in terms of set pieces, I think we've improved so much defending set pieces. Um, we yeah. just look so much more assured. And I do think a big contributing factor to that is Melier and actually having a consistently class keeper at the back and not someone who Leeds fans are a little bit on edge about. Um, yeah. I say a, I say a little bit. Um, <laughs> I say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Robin as well, just being that that individual who, uh, uh, for me at this minute, is just surpassing expectations. We cannot turn around and say, you know, Ben White wasn't brilliant, but I think Robin, the signing of him has just been, it's been exponential to everything Leeds have done. And, you know, what has it been? Three clean sheets, which is, it's, you know, it doesn't matter that, that you know, people turn around and say, oh, well, it was against so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Still three, three clean sheets in the Premier League is absolutely superb for your first six games. I think Luke, I don't really like him in that centre-back role, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, what I will say is when he was at the back, he was just phenomenal. His passing percentages, the only time I really saw him where he was sort of out of position and maybe lost a little bit of the battle against Ollie Watkins was when he was sort of nudged out and then Watkins came forward. I think Grealish had a strike and then, ironically, Ayling cleared it off the line. Yeah. Uh, 
but it's just his awareness as a centre back is, and you can see that you know from his Arsenal days when he was uh, you know indoctrinated from a, from a, a youth product as a, as a as a as a centre back. So you can you can see he's still got those tendencies, and yeah, I mean to keep someone like Ollie Watkins quiet as a centre back pair, and it's, it's it's a fantastic job. But you know it's a whole team ethic, but I think that always starts from the back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and I think that's kind of key with with. Uh, Luke and um, Dallas always been in the side even last year I think they know the system so well uh, and they just work so hard and their fitness levels are so good that kind of any counter-attacks which is what you think we'd be vulnerable to on, on Friday night were, were, weren't really there just because of the way that we played and the way we kind of covered for each other um, and in terms of Luke all season he's, he's ranking in some of the high, highest uh, levels for any European right back I know he played centre-back against Villa but it's crazy he's He's just behind like Hakimi of Inter Milan on like most attacking stats. The amount of like ball possession, the amount of runs and dribbles. I just think he's probably having his best ever season. I know it's only six games, but to make that step up when Mr. Lee Johnson didn't think he was a, a right back in the championship, I just think fair play to Luke for that. Yeah, and it's it's not only that, mate. Forward as well. You know, you look at Jack Harrison. I mean, I, once again, better and better and better every single season. I think he's. I think it was no player in Europe's top five has made more key passes this season than Leeds, Leeds United's Jack Harrison. I, I think he's. Mm. I mean, he's. It, that was Y Scout reporting that as well. I think he's above sort of Di Maria, Muller, Kane, Depay. So it, we're just. It's it's outstanding um, in every sort of department. It'll be. This is why I'm. I'm sort of really interested in the game coming up, which I know we'll talk about, because it's going to be a sort of reversal back to the Wolves game in terms of how Leicester are going to set up. And I think that's going to be really interesting because if we see some a progressive way in how Leeds sort of uh, approach the game, that's where you're going to see Leeds be able to sort of use that in, in, in future games where we maybe come up against the Palace or a Burnley who are going to do the exact same thing, just sit in and, and hit us on the counter. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a cliche in football about the first goal matters so much, but in BF, kind of the first goal has been key. Uh, and we know as Leeds fans that in the Championship, that was always the, the first thing. If we scored first, we, we know we could score 4-5 or, or win games quite comfortably. But if the other teams score first and they can sit deep, that, that's where we struggle. But um, we'll talk about Leicester in a sec. last thing I wanted to ask you about Villa uh, was Mr Rafinha off the bench with one of the best passes I've ever seen. I could be being <laughs> over dramatic just because I'm desperate to see him start soon. Um, but what did you think of that little cameo and did you get a chance to watch the under 23 games against Norwich because if you did then he was incredible yeah I mean he was just absolutely phenomenal wasn't he and I think it's just that raw class um, that he's brought once again in the, with regards to the, the sign-ins and, and do you know uh, let me just talk about that pass I mean uh, that is probably the best pass I've ever seen <laughs> I mean I mean, Matty Cash didn't know what was going on I mean I've, no, I've, 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 I've heard a couple of a couple of of outlets actually saying that they thought Matty Cash had a had a had a better had a, had a better game than a lot of the Leeds players. I mean, for me, Matty Cash, he didn't know what was going on for for about <laughs> ninety minutes. I mean, he was completely he was completely uh, you know dizzy from what was happening to him. And uh, yeah, I think I think it, Matty Cash's body shape just indicates how good the pass was from Rafinha because he was sort of waiting for the ball to get to Jack Harrison as Jack Harrison was in front of him. But mm-hmm. just that that ball completely took him out of the game and absolutely phenomenal and and it's just once again Liam it's the pedigree of what we're bringing in and with no disrespect but but to, but to teams who you know are bringing in cream of the crop championship players which you know we all thought we were going to be doing 
it, it takes it, it's, it's almost we've blown that out of the water and gone for this European quality and this Rafinha gets better and better I mean like you say mate I watched him against Norwich and he was just taking the mick he was taking yeah. the absolute mickey out of them this is to a Norwich side who were top of the under 23s table you know and he was just absolutely taking the mickey and I thought his, his cameo was the best we've seen of him against Villa and against Norwich, he was he was phenomenal. Best player on the pitch by a country mile. And he played number 10 as well, which is something that Marcel has mm-hmm. already mentioned, which I found interesting. He doesn't kind of give much away tactically in terms of where he wants to see players. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't even have to get asked a question uh, in much detail, but he straight away said that he sees Rafinha on either side and can play as a number 10 once he learns the position. And then to play him as a number 10 the week after straight away, I know it's only under 23 football, but you could tell that he wanted to do that because he could have easily played Pablo at 10 and put Rafinha on the right, but he wanted to give Rafinha minutes at 10, which I found interesting. But I think, I think even when you see that, that just that, that pass there as well, Liam, I mean, that's probably the, the biggest indicator of a, of a quality number 10, just eye of the needle stuff and being able to see things that other people cannot see. And I think you saw a lot of that against Aston Villa. It was just the cute passes, the little touches. You saw it against Norwich as well. And just, the defence splitting passes, you know, that we that that he, he's progressively showed against Norwich, and obviously that 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 key standout one against Villa just shows that that number ten position for me would be a, a very viable option for someone of, of with his tendencies. Yeah, I agree. And in the long term, I, well, I've said I don't know. I wish I had uh, Marcelo's brain, <laughs> but uh, I think Marcelo might see him as a Costa replacement. Um, mm. And I think Costa does really fit coming off the bench with, with his energy and pace and how direct he is, with Rafinha can do a little bit more intricate things, whereas Costa is very much a, a typical winger. Um, but in terms of the squad as well, now we've got a ben- we've got bench options. He's going to have the issue of, does he keep Pervader on the bench and Rafinha, who play similar positions, uh, and not play Shackleton, or does he play Shackleton? I just think they're options that a year ago, me and you would have been <laughs> wishing that we had when we're playing like four 17-year-olds on the bench that have never played in the Championship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%, mate. I think it's 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 that depth and that's what you need in the Premier League and that's why recruiting players like Rafinha, Rodrigo and obviously the emergence of someone like Paveda who, who I absolutely love and I think he's going to be a serious, serious player. It just shows how, how you know, we're not, of course, we're reliant on the on the fluidity and the and the dynamism out wide, and that's how Marcelo Bielsa plays. It's obviously the pockets, the overloads, the patterns. Of course, it is, but the the depth at the back as well. You know, we've got we've got five centre backs now, five five players who can play centre back, and it is just it, it seems to be that we are just so well rounded as a squad. We've had so many problems after the international break in terms of Diego Llorente who showed how good he was against Cristiano Ronaldo out for three weeks Liam Cooper the captain out for three weeks you know Calvin Phillips the the, the mainstay the pivot the, the most important player in our squad potentially out for six weeks I mean it was a horrendous international window and to yeah, say we've come yeah. back we've played at the time the best team in the league we've kept them quiet and we've absolutely played them off the park their own park Villa Park is yeah. um, it's 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 an impressive feat, and and you know, I think it should be being spoken about a lot more. To be quite honest, by the mainstream media about how impressive that was. Yeah, and the only sad thing about Friday night was obviously there's no fans in the stadium because I know me and you were both at the the three two game just before Christmas <laughs> the year before, and that's one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen in an away game. So it's just a, a bit of a shame, but hopefully New Year will back to to Ellen Road. Um, but yeah, let's move on and go on to a little bit more uh, chat about Leicester City. Um, so on Monday Night Football again, the third primetime game in a week for us, which is kind of Sky showing that they want those uh, viewing figures up. 
Massive uh, leads. Yeah. Massive. It, yeah, again, I think we've got seven games before Christmas in actual prime time slots, which is a record for, for a non-top four in brackets team, um, which I find interesting. Uh, and in terms of the game, it's fourth v sixth, which I didn't think we'd be saying a year ago, if you asked, we'd be sixth <laughs> in the Premier League. Um, and initially, looking at this game, what, what are your thoughts on our, our hopes of the game? Is it very much a home game we want three points, or is it Leicester a top six, top eight team and and we have to see how the game develops. Yeah, I mean, I think this was the, the the dangerous thing with Wolves when we played Wolves, and obviously we're on a high. We we you know we want to win every game, um, yeah. but very differently to Aston Villa. Obviously, Aston Villa newly promoted side as of last season. They've not hit the dizzy heights that let's say a Wolves and a Leicester have, um, and that's not me dampening hopes. You know, I'm I'm fully hoping that we get the win and we're a very different side to Aston Villa, and, and for me, different to any other promoted side um, ever in history. So. Leeds are, are always that awkward wild card and nobody wants to play us and Leicester will not want to play us. It's not an I- ideal fixture at all for Brendan Rodgers, but this is a team who, you know, I mean, they've won the Premier League. They've had an, a very impressive stay in the Premier League where they've sort of reinvented themselves into a, a new Leicester, you know, not like the Leicester of old who seem to struggle quite a bit at the bottom, the, the bottom end of the table, but a, a very new Leicester. And I think we've just... I think we've got to manage the expectations a little bit in this game. You would, for me, you'd, you'd, you'd take a point right now. I don't know if you would, Liam, but uh, I, this is a team who, you know, have been competing in the Champions League, Europa League, all this sort of stuff. But we've we've gone against the grain before and, and we've got results. But but like Wolves, they're a, they're a high, high quality team. And um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I think on paper, for me anyway, I don't know what you think, but I think they're better than Wolves uh, as a squad. Um, I know Wolves have got some star players, but they're in a bit more transition, aren't they, after losing three of their starters from last year. Whereas for me, Leicester are a bit of a stronger team and they're kind of that team that always want to break into the top four, top five now. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you that you probably would take a point without seeing how the game played out. But we kind of know that Leicester have had a bit of a weird start of the season. Obviously, they had away wins at uh, City and Arsenal, I believe. But they've lost a home to to West Ham, who are who are not a good team, <laughs> uh, and they've lost a home to Villa, obviously, who we just beat. So they're a little bit of hit and miss at the moment, Leicester. And I think I know you did your tactical breakdown on YouTube, but they they tend to kind of play with either four or five at the back. And the games they think they can win, they'll play four. And the games they want to kind of eke a result out, they'll play five. I'm just very interested if they're going to play four or five against us. Yeah, I mean the, the very I, I mentioned it on my tactical preview the amount of variations that Brendan Rodgers plays the modifications that he has uh formation wise it, it's ridiculous i mean i think he had eight different formations at the start of uh, of you know individual games at the start of last season which is crazy when you think teams stick with like maybe a 4231 or similarly to leeds will stick normally with a 4141 throughout an entire season so it's yeah i mean he's very tactically astute is brendan rogers i think he's a very very good coach and it's going to be really interesting to see the matchup i think they played five at the back against City, and obviously they scored five. Um, so we know how how extremely good they are on the counter-attack. And I think that, for me, they're the best counter-attacking team in the Premier League. And they've got a, they're, they're, they're extremely quick when they go from the defense, defensive third transitioning into the, the, the midfield and the attacking third. So it's going <clears> to... <throat> I don't know how Leeds sort of set up to counteract that because you sort of play high... Against Jamie Vardy, he's always playing on the shoulder. You drop deep and you naturally lose the progressive nature of how you play. 
So you drop mm-hmm. you drop five or ten yards, and and Leeds are more worried about Jamie Vardy than than, than playing our football, which I don't think we'll do. But Jamie Vardy always gives you that question, and and Leicester are a completely different team with Jamie Vardy starting. They'll pass it out from the back, try create spaces, but when he's not starting, they'll try just hoof the ball to Ian Acho and then get the loose balls from Harvey Barnes and you know Jose Perez, etc. But they're also with Vardy able to utilize Harvey Barnes a lot more, and Harvey Barnes is an outstanding player as we saw in the Championship, and and those two working together with Tielemans and Madison, as you've said, Liam, gives them that next level quality. Yeah, Harvey Barnes really caused us issues. I know that was a two, nearly two years ago now uh, in that game against West Brom, but he's one of the better wingers I've seen play against Leeds in the last few years. Um, and he would be kind of my man to watch, really, because I know everyone raves about Vardy and stuff, but Harvey Barnes is dribbling and his pace on the counter-attack. He's one of the first players that breaks the lines all the time for Leicester now. Um, and I know Vardy's had some injury issues, so I think Harvey Barnes might be their sort of key player to watch. But... We'll have to wait and see what system they play. If they go four at the back, I'd be more confident because uh, they seem much more open. Every time I've seen them play with that back four, um, especially now Suncho, that's how you pronounce his name, is out. I, I know he's missing the game. Uh, if they go with the back four and they're kind of playing like a Wes Morgan or a Johnny Evans, a centre-back, I, I really fancy Paddy Bamford to kind of run those guys ragged, which is, is something that they don't like. They don't like to be running behind all the time, which is what we know Rodrigo and Bamford can kind of do. Yeah, and Siunchu gave him that extra pace at the back as well. He's very quick, and he gave him that, that, that those extra legs, you know, in terms of ball recoveries at the back. And now they don't have that. I mean, against Arsenal, they played a back three, and Christian Fuchs was playing alongside Johnny Evans and Fafana. Yeah. So it was it was a ridic- it was a ridiculous sort of back three, but it worked, and and they were defensively solid. I think my only worry, Liam, is 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 how rigid they can be at the back, and if Brendan Rodgers sets up correctly for me. He comes to Leeds and he sticks two banks of four and defends and defends and defends and hits us on the counter-attack with, let's say, a, a Barnes or a Vardy. Um, I mean, if, if he if he sort of doesn't respect us, I think he might go for the jugular straight away. And if they do that, then Leeds are going to find space in behind because Le- Leicester naturally will sort of have two at the back when they're on the ball and push everybody else up, including the fullbacks. So, I mean, you push your fullbacks up, you're right and your left-siders. It's exactly what Villa did against us, and that's where we're just going to exploit with the overloads. Yeah, Leicester are playing that same back three tonight, because we're, we're recording this Thursday evening, and they're playing at the moment, and they're playing that same back three with the, with the two wing-backs as well. Mm. Um, and I agree with you. I think what could be key for us, and we'll go and talk about how, how we can beat them, but is if they do counter-attack us and then obviously don't score, they do lose the ball again. It's us re-counter-attacking them, so regaining the ball back. And I think that that's what could be key. Um, and in terms of key players from Leicester, I know we've spoken about Vardy and Barnes, but what other sort of players do you see that can either control the game or cause us problems? Is it is it a Tienemans, for example, kind of controlling the midfield and man-marking click? Or do you see it to more of a be a, uh, an all-Brighton or Iniacho off the bench, someone like that? Yeah, I think that for me, the key player is obviously James Madison. We haven't spoken about him that much, but his link-up play with Jamie Vardy is is incredible. And and what he, I mean, with Vardy stretching the play so much, you naturally get Tielemans and Madison being able to utilize the ball much more effectively. And we see that a lot when Jamie Vardy's playing. And obviously, Madison is is the main man to to, to feed Vardy. I think he's got two point three nine key passes per game. Which is, which is staggering, really. And I think that puts him in the top three of the Premier League. And when he's on song, when he's really got a partnership going with Jamie Vardy, um, they're very difficult to stop. And I think with the added class of Yuri Tielemans, I think with Harvey Barnes, I think with Jose Perez as well, he's not had a great start to the season, but his energy 
very similarly to someone like a, you know an Ian Pervader. He's got class, but that that energy level to get up and down and and do the dogged defensive work as well. That's going to be absolutely key for Leicester in this game. But it's going to be a really intriguing matchup, mate. But I think if I was to suggest a key player outside of Barnes and uh, and um, and Vardy, it would be James Madison. Yeah, even this evening, I think Madison set up Vardy for a penalty. Uh, oh, great. So that was in the first 10 minutes of the game. So what you're saying about the key passes and the link-up play, I think, is spot on. And in terms of penalties as well, since Bar's come in, uh, behind Man United, because obviously the scum get the most penalties, uh, Leicester have got the second most penalties uh, in Europe uh, since Bar came in. Yeah, they've got, uh, they've, got another one, they've got another one tonight, didn't they? Yeah, I think that's just the style they play. And the way, if I'm honest, that Vardy plays, he's so on the shoulder and he, he's kind of not afraid of getting hurt as well so he'll try and nick and, and get, get in front of centre-halves and we know that Mr Robin Cock had a bit of a dodgy start with penalties his performances have been incredible but he gave away <laughs> two in two weeks so I would be slightly concerned about a couple of our players um, including Luke sometimes maybe diving in that's something that they'll need well, to watch Well I think as, I think as well Liam I, I can't you know you look at probably the out-and-out centre-forwards we've faced uh, probably maybe Ollie Watkins who was who was sort of neutralised because of the lack of midfield that Villa had uh, I think Leicester will get on the on the ball a lot more in the midfield which is only going to help Vardy uh, yeah. you look at Firmino not really out-and-out pace uh, Mitrovic not out and out pace, so I don't think we've we've faced, and I don't think there are many strikers like Jamie Vardy in terms of just raw pace, and he can feed off that long ball over the top. But also, he's very good in front of the defender as well in terms of linking up, winning aerial battles, and 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 then you sort of see Harvey Barnes and Jose Perez swarming around him, waiting for that second ball pickup. So I think the second ball is absolutely key in this game as well, and not losing. Not losing the ball in silly areas, Liam. You know, not yeah. not 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 giving Leicester the ability to pick out that pass. Um, we have to retain the ball in the correct areas and in the sensible areas. And 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 that that for me was against Wolves, where we started losing the game. We started losing the ball a little bit. They pressed up high, and they started getting a lot of ball recoveries. We we cannot um, feed into that because Leicester are going to be more devastating than Wolves on the counter attack for me. Yeah, I think Vardy's probably the best, maybe true centre-forward we've played, because obviously Liverpool play the two wingers almost like inverted forwards, mm. um, and Jimenez is, is up there as well, but he's a very different striker to, to Vardy, so I think his pace would be crucial, and like you were saying about losing the ball in key areas, that, that's what worries me most, is not us losing the ball through errors, it's more their pressing, mm. uh, obviously Harvey Barnes and uh, Jamie Vardy himself, they're very good pressers. And Vardy is one of the most hard-working centre-forwards in the league. So if he plays, which we assume he will, he's fit tonight to play. So he'll probably was, play again on Monday. Yeah, and it was really interesting when I was watching them against Arsenal at the weekend because what they kept doing was Arsenal are very dynamic, like similarly to us in terms of a lot of their play comes you know, from the likes of Aubameyang, who plays on the left-hand side of a front three, and a lot yeah. comes down the wings. So what they started doing was, was heavily pressing on the wing players, you know, there's a, a lot of ball recoveries from Leicester out wide and they were pressing uh, Hector Bellerin in particular. They were targeting him and, you know, after the game, a lot of Arsenal fans were saying we should have had Maitland-Niles in, but they really did exploit Hector Bellerin because Brendan Rodgers had told Madison to go as sort of a, a left-sided midfielder and then you had uh, Justin who was pressing up high on him as well. So they are extremely good at recovering the ball high up as well because they, they know there's a, a large risk and reward factor. You know, you win the ball high up, you feed Jamie Vardy and there's a likelihood he's going to score. So we have to, it's, it's intelligent passing and it's being focused because there has been 
times, Liam, that we know, mate, where there has been lapses in concentration with leads at the back, and they ju- we yeah. just cannot we cannot afford this against Leicester because I think these are one of the teams that Leeds will play this season. Who, if we keep, you know, giving them the ball in, in silly areas, they're going to be one of the teams that are going to punish us big time. Yeah, I agree. And, and going back to what you said earlier about Brendan Rodgers, everyone thinks it's it's always on the ball tactics as well, but. What a lot of the best coaches like Marcelo and, and someone like Brendan Rodgers do is they have good game plans off the ball mm. in terms of pressing. Uh, and if we end up, I'll ask you now what team you think we think we should play, but if we end up going with Dallas back at left back, you've got mm. a right footer playing left back, it would not shock me if they were pressing him in a way that was kind of always shadowing him onto his left side to try and get him to lose the ball. Mm. That's just something that I think that Liverpool kind of did quite well in, in the first half and, of that first game. And someone like Brendan Rodgers w- will be intelligent enough to, to work that out. But uh, in terms of the team we might play then, uh, we haven't heard from Marcelo yet because I think it's tomorrow that he'll speak to the media. But if we think Cooper may be back, um, what team would you go with or would you not want to risk Cooper already if he's not 100% fit? No, I wouldn't risk him. Um, I've said this before and I've gone on record before. I think he needs a bit of time out in terms of recovering from injuries. It seems to be niggles all the time with Liam. And for me, you need a bit of a sustained period of time out of the squad to be able to recover from each and every individual niggle. You know, obviously he was out at the start of the season. He's He's been out with, you know, obviously international duty already for, for you know, nearly a month. Obviously he's going to be out projected potentially for a month. But if he is back, great. But for me, Liam, um, you know, Luke did a really good job. I'd probably say Luke was quicker than Cooper as well. Um, yeah, I think so he was quicker, yeah. So I think, we need, I think we need as much pace at the back as, as possible. And, you know, that whole you never change a winning team, I think yeah, <laughs> I think there are modifications to that. And sort of, I think you've got to make tactical adjustments for each and every individual team. Otherwise, you just, you know, I think that's a little bit naive. But for me... You stick with the you stick with the same team. You stick with the same team. Um, I think I think like you've just said, Stewart been on that left hand side. They're going to target that, and they're going to target that with pace and pragmatism. They're very good at ball recoveries high up the pitch. You want someone who's a natural left sider. You want someone who's a natural right sider. So quickly the ball can go down the line if it needs to. You know that is <laughs> it's naturally yeah. how, how fullbacks play. Hence why you never normally see aside from Aspilicueta, who I can just think of off the top of my head a right-sided player at left-back. You know, that's where it rarely happens because you can move the ball quicker if you've got your natural foot on either side. So, um, yeah, I would stick with the same side. I think Alioski, well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know, Liam, would you go for a, a, a Leif Davis in this sort of game or would you would you sort of stick with Alioski? I mean, I think I think overall I would probably stick with the same lineup um, and contradict myself. I would probably go with the... The, the the same lineup that played Villa, but I would also be happy if sort of Leaf came in in terms of shoring up Leeds defensively because I'm just I'm not sure Alioski is going to be that great <laughs> going back. Yeah, he's not a very good one on one defender, but obviously he gives us that energy side of things. Um, yeah, exactly. apparently Leaf Dave, Davis is one of the quicker players in all the drills they do. We haven't seen him as much as we'd like in the first team, but allegedly he's one of our quicker players. But without seeing that consistently, my brain would go. Alioski's energy and, and um, ability to get up and down the pitch and kind of press other people, uh, I think that would help. What about you? Um, would, would, you, be would, a... you would you would you bring Cooper in? or? I probably would bring Cooper in if he was fully fit, but saying someone's fully fit and being fully fit is different, isn't it? 
that he may feel fully fit, but you don't know after 40 minutes if he's, if he's going to go again. So if I we also, could guarantee... Liam, be... Liam I, also, I also think it's a little bit of a... I mean, I don't know if ever, psychologically this ever plays a problem, and I'm sure Pascal was ready for it against Wolves, but I, I, I don't know whether or not it's healthy for the side. And I understand why Liam's doing it. Of course, he wants to play. He's a Leeds fan. He's Leeds captain. He wants to play. Yeah. But if you're not 100%, don't put yourself in that position because what could happen in the warm-up is you could put yourself out for another two weeks. And, and, and as well, it's not great preparation for someone like Pascal Stroik to know 20, 25 minutes before the game starts that he's going to be starting against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And it's not good for the, for the sort of the back line either. No, I did think that. That was a, a silly decision, I think, to even give that game a go. I, I didn't see any game before the Villa game being kind of enough time for Coops. Mm. So to give it a go in the warm-up, like you said, we don't know if that's made it worse now. He maybe would have been fit for this game, but he might have tallied on another two weeks. We, we don't know. But I, I do agree that it's not ideal for a player to find out so quick before the game that he's, he's starting. Um, but that would be my other question. I was thinking, would you think that, he would go Click and Shackleton in midfield after the way the second half went, or do you think he would go straight back in with Pascal, or would he put Pascal at the back? Is is that another option? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is another option, and and I think Click was more of the defensive player, wasn't he against yeah, against was, Miller? Yeah. yeah, and I think I think Click's got that capability to be able to see a pass. I, I guess I guess you've got to sort of weigh up really what's the more important thing. I mean. I think when Madison plays as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and and with Leicester, sometimes when they're off the ball, they're they're very compact, which enables players like Harrison and Costa to be free because they're touching the you know they're they're essentially on the on on on, on either wing and, and touching the touch lines, so that enables the the switch to to happen. But we also know Pascal's got a very good distribution rate, so you've got the physicality there. You've got the the ability to distribute as well, so I think I'd be fine with Pascal there. But it was really interesting to see Click there, um, yeah. into, because you know as well with Click, Click will not lose the ball. He, he doesn't lose the ball, um, and and I think his his ball retention is, is is as I've said is very very good. So whether or not you'd want someone in there to sort of marshal Madison or marshal someone like Yuri Telemans, that'd be interesting. But I think for me, I would start I would start Pascal, but. I did think against Villa there was a couple of maybe silly lunges and uh, yeah I mean you 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 know is is his concentration on point from from moment one in that Villa game I'm not hundred percent sure but I, I'd stick with strike. Yeah, it could be more of a motivational factor, couldn't it? You having that done once where you've put in two silly challenges in twenty minutes, it might kind of make him wise up and be like, oh right, I can't mm, do that yeah, again, exactly. and maybe focus him. So that could be a, a benefit of him uh, getting took off. Uh, and in terms of the bench, I just wanted to ask you quickly. Because I'd be interested online with a few different people's opinions. Um, when the when obviously our players are fit, there's going to be a bit of a battle between Shaq and Pervader to make the bench because we're going to have just say Costa starts. We're going to have Rafinha, Pablo, and Tyler as our attackers on the bench. Would you have Pervader on the bench in that circumstance as well, or do you think that we need uh, a Shackleton in there just to have another centre mid option? Yeah, I think I'd go with the latter, which is crazy because Pervader's had yeah. such a good start. But I think you have to have another central midfielder in there. I mean, what are the options? What are the options, Liam? There, there are none. I mean, we know about the the club's the club's sort of um, importance on getting Rodrigo de Paul and Michael Cuisance, especially through the door in the summer. That didn't happen. We'll adapt. We always do. We'll be fine. We always are. But in terms of another midfield body, I mean, midfield is crucial. Yeah, I think we. So far, there have been quite a few games where we have lost that midfield battle, um, to be quite honest with you. 
But I thought Villa was uh, obviously definitely we won that midfield battle. But um, I think having another midfielder in there is is absolutely pivotal. I think if I'm honest with you, Liam, I think you know we just spoke about the lineups there. But if it is going to be a, a Wolves-esque game, someone to pick the lot like Pablo Hernandez. Does I mean does he even get a, a shot to start? I mean, obviously taking Rodrigo out would be would be horrendous in terms of just like you know how good he was the other day, but. Yeah. Is it going to be a case of Leicester just sitting back and then Leeds sort of having the same thing? Does 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 Bielsa adapt from moment one or does he sort of keep Rodrigo in there? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that is an, it's another option, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say bringing either Rafinha or Pablo on earlier if we're not winning the game could be crucial. You know, Marcelo's known at Leeds anyway for doing his half-time subs. Mm. Uh, and I just think if the game script is not going how we want, and it's nil-nil or you're, or you're one-nil down, it wouldn't shock me to see maybe someone like a Costa come off or if you drop click back and you bring Pablo on to the eight role to play with Rodriguez. Well, yeah, um, because because we saw the in the Wolves game, as soon as Pablo came on, the whole dynamic changed, didn't it? Leeds moved up yeah, 10 yeah. yards and, 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 you know, those through balls were absolutely brilliant from Pablo. And he did make us much better in that game. And, and the Wolves players weren't really able to get close to him at that point. And he does still have a massive part to play for me in this season. And, it's going to be really interesting to see who, who Bielsa picks, but I just I wouldn't want it to be sort of nil nil and Leicester to be coming into the game a little bit towards the end of the first half because that's sort of the exact same blueprint we saw against Wolves, and I think Leicester will set up very similarly to that. Yeah, I agree. And going back to what we said about the midfield, I think Shaq's performance in the second half is only going to help him stay on that bench because I think sometimes if you need a bit more energy in midfield and we want to change the system, I think he could help. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of us trying to win the game, obviously we spoke about how Leicester are going to cause us problems, but what areas of the pitch and, and, and the way they play, do you think we can cause them problems? Is it going at those centre-halves that maybe aren't as quick or you just think it's more of us controlling the ball and not letting them counter-attack? Yeah, it's, I mean, saying Leicester can't counter-attack is going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to happen, isn't it? There's going to be at least two counter-attacks in the game where, you know, the ball's just lifted over the top to Jamie Vardy. That could be yeah. in, a, in a panic station, you know, where they're one or two nil down and they need a bit of freedom from, from Leeds' press or whether or not that's just a tactic that, that, that Rodgers will deploy from the start. I don't know. But for me, it, de- it depends how he, how he sets up. If he sets up three at the back and when... Leicester on the ball, they're very progressive. They're a good team to watch. They can, they can be exposed in, in, in the in the wing back sort of full back areas, as, as I've already mentioned, you know. And those overloads we saw when Matty Cash pushed up, when Target pushed up, even when Saiz pushed up in, in, in the Wolves game, you know, we're having a, a fair bit of joy down that down that sort of flank at one point. So when when fullbacks do push up, Leeds can exploit that and we can because we we're so fluid down down you know on the wings. So I, th- I think that's where we can hurt them. Um, what I will say, Liam, is the balls in have to be much better. And I, and I keep using the comparative of Wolves because, as I keep saying, I think that's how Leicester will set up. So the balls in have to be good because it's just going to be food and drink for Johnny Evans to, to to nod out certain balls that aren't getting to you know Patrick Bamford. They have to be on point. They have to be accurate. If they're driven, fair enough. Make sure they're at his feet. They can give, give Paddy something to work with. If they're in the air, make sure they're on his head. At least sort of three out of six that are on it. You know, make sure... The, the, the percentages are, are in Paddy's favour. I, I like felt they were at Villa, I think. Yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. But the, the difference was Villa were just coming out as it was gung-ho, whereas Leicester, I think, are going to sit in. So the balls in have to be absolutely perfect and out wide, we have to be efficient, mate, for me. And if we do that, if we're efficient out wide, we can overload and, and hurt them on the wings. 
that's why I think an earlier sub of Rafinha would be key if we're not winning the game because mm. I know we've only seen a little bit of him and we've seen a lot more of Held and Jack, but I just think the level of quality of final ball or almost not even if it's a cross, if it's bringing the ball in and playing a little one-two with someone like a Rodrigo, I just think that Rafinha can offer that little bit difference uh, off the bench. So for me, I think he'll be quite key. And if Cooper's fit, the only benefit for me is ailing progressively on the right-hand side. If he goes back to right-back uh, and Dallas goes to left-back, I think that we'll have a better progressive passing because we know Alioski can be a little bit uh, hit and miss sometimes. He's good in the final third, but it's getting the ball to the final third is when he can struggle. I think um, I think I think all I'll say with that, Liam, is I think the only issue with changing that and Dallas coming back on the left is Dallas naturally has to take a touch inside to be able to get it from his left onto his right. If the yeah. ball comes in and he's opened his body, Dallas will normally check back in, pass it into click, and maybe there'll be a progressive one too. If if Dallas does sort of if he's got a lot of pressure on him from Barnes or a Madison there is probably going to be more chance because he has to, you know, switch that ball from his left to his right for him to get a decent connection on him on it because obviously his right's his strongest foot. I yeah. would be I would be more worried about ball recovery sort of increasing on that side from Leicester's point of view. Yeah, I agree. I think that's where we'll see Marcelo use more of the the first season, the championship, you know, where we were heavily overloading on the right. And mm. then we'll see players switching it and you'll just have a chance for for Jack Harrison to go one v one. But if they play Castagno at right back, that's that's not going to be an easy task to, to go one on one for the whole game. But for me, I think whoever plays on the right long term will, will be key. And I think Rafinha off the bench and and like you said, if we need a bit of magic, maybe Pablo off the bench in the second half could be key. Definitely. Uh, in terms of game flow as well, I, I agree with you. I, I think they're more like to sit back out of anyone we've kind of played. Wolves did sit back to a point, but second half they came out and pressed a lot higher. I think Leicester will sit back. As, as most of the team, but their front two or three will press quite well. So I'll be interested to see if we've learned at all or if we pick a different lineup. Um, but yeah, in terms of a score prediction, then I'll push you to push you for one, whether it's a win, draw, or loss, or an actual score. What What are your thoughts, and what would you be happy with coming from Monday night? I'm going to go with a three-two Leeds win and a red card to a Leeds player. Oh, wow. That is very... You should put a bet on. You'd get good odds. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, mate. I've got a feeling. I think there'll be I think there'll be a lot of goals. Um, I do think we'll score early. And I think when we score early, they're going to have to come out, which means that I, I do think Leicester will score because they're very, very good going forward. Offensively, yeah, their output's extremely efficient as well. But that means there's going to be space for us in and behind. But I can just see... I don't know where there's going to be a red card coming from, mate, but I can see a red card coming. I can see... Absolutely. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or may- maybe it's just a-, a lunging tackle on Jamie Vardy, which just ends up being outside the box and, and-, and the free kick is superbly saved by Melier. I, d- I, d- I, d- I don't know, mate, but I can see goals. But I, can- I'm- I am confident with this one. I am confident. I think it's going to be a real tactical battle, but I think Leeds can just edge it. I think we're that good this season. I think we can do it. Yeah, I agree. I see goals as well, especially if there's a goal in the first 20, 30 minutes either way. Obviously, we don't want Leicester to score first, but Marcelo would just chuck caution to the wind if we're 1-0 down and go even more attacking with his subs. Mm. Um, but if we score first, especially, I can't see there being less than three goals in the game. I, I was going to go 3-2 as well, but that's boring because I had the same score last time as well. As my guess. <laughs> so I think I'll switch to a 2-1. Uh, I think Vardy will score a penalty, uh, but Paddy Bamford will score the winner. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Oh, it's exciting times, mate. And, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's just great now that we're actually... 
And, you know, you can call less of that sort of big team now because of, of, you know, winning the Premier League and being in successive Champions Leagues and just looking like they're getting on to that next level, really. And us just headbutting with these sort of teams and, and being able to compete as well. Because I tell you what, Brendan Rodgers will not want this game. And, and it sounds disrespectful, but he'll have much preferred a Burnley or even yeah, a Crystal Palace, even though Crystal Palace have started really well. Um, I keep using those two as examples. I don't know why they're in my head. But yeah, <laughs> you love just, Burnley. <laughs> that's it, mate. I'm a big Burnley fan. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's going to be a real... It's going to be a real uh, a good game for the neutral as well, because I think tactically it's going to be two, obviously, very good coaches going head-to-head. Yeah, and two counter-attacking teams when they want to be as well. That's the difference this year with us not facing so many teams that stick 11 men behind the ball. Well, I'd, like, you can to, see Liam, that I'd, like, Liam, I'd like to see us go direct as well. I'd like to see us a couple more times. We saw it against Man City. We saw it against Liverpool as well when we got a little bit more joy. I'd like us to go direct a little bit more often and get the second balls in and around Patrick Bamford with the likes of, you know, Costa and and, and Harrison maybe at some points acting as inside forwards. I think that's where we could get a little bit of joy as well. That's where Rodrigo helps as well. He gives a second option to do that that same sort of movement, I think. Um, And I'd be interested to, to see if tonight's game has any influence on it. Obviously, we haven't played since... Uh, since Friday, so we're going to get <laughs> 10 days off, whereas Leicester are going to play Thursday night and then play on Monday. That That's the only thing I can't get my head around now we're in the Premier League. Not having a midweek game, I almost miss it, the, how good yeah, we are. It's yeah. a bit weird having to wait 10 days yeah. for a game all the time. But as well, as well, you know, you look at you look at what the Leicester team and, and you know, you look at their team tonight. I mean, you've got Schmeichel in there, Fafana, Fuchs, uh, Chowdhury, Tielemans, Justin, yeah. Under, Madison, Madison and Vardy. Vardy. Yeah. They're all play- they're all playing. So you know, coming up against you know when you've been you've been all the way out there in in Greece and then you're coming back and then you're having to rest and then you're playing an absolutely well the, the fittest team in Europe probably on um, on Monday yeah. night. It's not going to be it's not going to be a great sort of venture for Leicester for me. Yeah, now we're in the Premier League, we get the running stats and we run more than anybody, which is no shock, but in our league and every other league in the top, well, top four of the main big four European leagues. So, yeah, I think that could be key for the second half. And once again, not conceding the first goal will will, will help to that. But, but yeah, I think we'll leave that there, mate. Um, thanks again for, for joining me. You're going to have to get you on for your hat-trick and get your, your signed Bielsa ball. Oh, mate, I can't wait. No, it's been good, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, The podcast is getting better and better and better. And uh, I can't wait to come on for the third time, man. Yeah, cheers. I'll have to to find a good game, maybe a scum game, something something to uh, a good rival to win. 19th 19th of December and I'll have the loosest tongue going. (laughs) Yeah, a few beers before you get on. (laughs) Cool. And then in terms of uh, the podcast, uh, next week there'll be another Premier League roundup and then I'll be getting hopefully someone in for, for a Crystal Palace preview as well. But yeah, cheers for joining us and thanks again, Connor. Cheers, mate.